this is where this hand gets very, very bizarre. So Michael Schwimmer should act first. As you see, this giant green arrow pointing at Michael Schwimmer. But Bryn Kenny checks out of turn. Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little for PokerCoaching.com, here today with another hand from High Stakes Poker. If you've not been watching this show, it is amazing. You can watch it only on Poker Go. Make sure you check that out. They also have new episodes of Poker After Dark, where I have one-minute strategy segments where I go through very, very intricate, interesting spots and give you good, actionable advice to make sure that you are playing great. Today, we have a hand from High Stakes Poker. This is a cash game. If you want more free actionable advice, make sure you check out my free downloadable PDF at pokercoaching.com slash cash tips. There you can get all sorts of good information to make sure you are not making mistakes on a regular basis at the poker table. Here, we have a spot where um, Brent Kenny probably made some mistakes. He straddles under the gun. We're playing 400, 800. Brent Kenny makes it 1600. And then Rick Solomon makes a $5,000 straddle. Now, look, I'm not the type of person who goes through and puts on the restraddle all that often. When you do it, though, you often want to restraddle the minimum. When you put in money out of position without knowing your cards, that is definitively a losing play. Now, if everybody's doing it, it's fine and acceptable. It just essentially decreases the post-flop advantage of the good players. But if you're the only one straddling, you're essentially just putting in, like, well, in this case, $5,000 very, 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 very poorly because you're out of position and um, that's not where you want to be. So you're just torching your money by straddling out of position. Um, I do think everyone in the game was making it 1600 though, which is, you know, probably fine. Um, if you can straddle in late position, that's certainly a little bit more acceptable in terms of, you know, not torching your money than straddling from the early positions. But straddling from early positions is really, 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 really bad if you care about money. I have a cash game masterclass at pokercoaching.com where I go through all sorts of straddling configurations to make sure that you fully understand the uh, very rare spots where it is not lighting your money on fire. Anyway, Rick Solomon straddles, fine. Gets around to Michael Schwimmer in the small blind, okay? So he is going to be, well, first to act among the four remaining players here now and also on the flop. This is an extremely disadvantageous position. And he should actually be really, really tight here because if he raises to any amount, Rick Solomon's going to be getting really good odds, closing the action in position, pre-flop and on the flop turn and river, right? So you have to be very careful playing too many hands in this spot. Um, that said, Ace-King is great. He does raise it up to $18,000. Um, for those who don't know Michael Schwimmer, he is a former major league baseball pitcher for the Phillies. And... Um, he invested in minor league baseball teams, which is pretty cool. It's always good to give back to people who are working hard to try to improve their skills. So thanks to him for doing that, even though I'm not involved in baseball at all. Believe it or not, I actually played baseball as a kid. I'm much too short for that, though. Um, all right. He raises. Bryn Kinney in the first straddle. I know the positions are not quite properly labeled here. Usually you're not seeing straddle and restraddle, but here we are. Um, Bryn Kinney with pocket eights. He can go either way. If he was out of position, like, say, Michael Schwimmer raised from the button and Bryn Kenny was in the straddle, he may be more inclined to re-raise because from out of position, you don't really care if your opponent folds. But when you're in position, you definitely want to call in this scenario, see a flop in position, and go from there. And that is what he does. Rick Solomon has the Jack-5 offsuit. He gets maximally punished for putting in $5,000, and he makes the wise decision to fold. All right, now 
this is where this hand gets very, very bizarre. So Michael Schwimmer should act first. As you see, this giant green arrow pointing at Michael Schwimmer. But Bryn Kenny checks out of turn. Now look, Bryn Kenny's a world-class tournament player, number one in tournament earnings, absolute crusher. But I don't know if he has a ton of experience playing cash games, and I don't know if he has a ton of experience playing quadruple blind cash games, right? So what happens here is he ends up checking out of turn. So Bryn checks, although he is last to act. I don't know how to do that with my replayer. That's not standard. Um, uh, Bren was not trying to pull an angle or anything like that here. He legitimately thought he was first to act. Yeah, so that's what happens. Now over to Michael Schwimmer with Ace-King. And this is an interesting scenario because if you check, it just goes check, check, and you go straight to the turn. And I don't think that's actually all that bad in this spot. That said, it's probably fine to make a continuation bet, right? Um, you would certainly raise the best suited connected type hands in this scenario. You'd certainly raise over pairs. You'd certainly raise pocket sevens and pocket nines. You have a lot of nut hands here, so I don't mind betting. Also, if you bet the flop and Brandon sticks around, uh, a club is good. Nose board is nine of diamonds, seven of clubs, four of clubs. You have ace of clubs, king of hearts. Um, this is a hand that can reasonably bet flop and keep betting on some turns, right? So I don't mind betting. He does go 20,000. Bren Kenny with his pocket eights has a pretty easy call. Um, also note the players are playing really, really deep stacks. So I know the amount of dollars the players are betting is a lot, but um, it's really just, you know, half pot, nothing, nothing too big. Bren makes the easy call. Turn is the ace of hearts and Bren Kenny checks out of turn again because he clearly thinks he is first act as you normally would be if you were in the big blind against the button, right? Um, so now when the turn's the ace of hearts, I want you to take a second and ask yourself, what would you do? Obviously, Michael Schwimmer does not know Bren Kinney has pocket eights. He does know, however, that Bren Kinney just checked out of turn kind of quickly twice. Michael Schwimmer is aware of this. So in this scenario, do you get a little bit suspicious that maybe your opponent's trying to angle shoot you? Do you think maybe they're so excited about their hand to the point that they can't even remember what position they're in? What are you thinking in this spot? Or are you just thinking, eh, opponent doesn't know their position at the moment. They're probably just checking pretty honestly. Top pair, top kicker is pretty great. In this scenario, what would you do? Would you check? Would you bet small, like uh, 25,000? Would you bet medium, like 70,000? Or would you bet giant, like 120,000 into this 82,000 pod? Go ahead, pause the video, think about it, and let me know what you would do. All right, did you do it? Good. Going through this active learning process is gonna go a long way to helping you improve your poker skills, which is what I am trying to help you do. So in this spot, if your opponent, this is gonna sound bad, if they're known to be shady, <laughs> if they're known to be someone who tries to angle shoot you, you should probably actually be a little bit suspicious when they snap check out a turn. That is an angle that some people will do. Bren is not known for making angles. Therefore, Bren, is either doing one of two things. He's either checking out of turn because he's so excited about his big hand, which you gotta think the biggest winner in live poker tournaments with, gosh, I don't know how many millions and millions of caches does he have. How much is it? It's like infinite. Um, Bren with infinite caches, 56 million, probably is not going to be so excited to the point with his flopped sets that he's checking out of turn, right? 
he probably just doesn't know what the action is because he got confused by the double straddle, right? So I have to presume Bren's being honest here. If Bren's being honest here, then you just have a very, very easy value bet with this ace-king. And I do think you want to go on the medium to big side. This is a spot where Michael definitely has a lot of high cards that did not improve on this ace turn, like queen-jack, jack-10, queen-10, right? All these hands would really love to bluff. And Michael also has a lot of pretty strong hands at this point, right? He has sets, he has some two pairs, he has ace-king, ace-queen. So this is a spot where he can bet using a pretty big size with a polarized range. And I do think that is definitely the right play in this scenario. He goes for the small bet, though. And I think the small bet is only good if you know your opponent's especially weak. But you're going to find that people who get in there and battle in high-stakes live poker tournaments, especially Bren Kenny, if you've ever played with Bren, he is the opposite of weak, right? He is not afraid to make reads. He's not afraid to make big calls. And he will get in there and battle with you. So I think against someone like Bren, you want to go bigger. Notice if Bren does have a 9, he's just not going to fold. If he has a 7, probably not going to fold. If he has a draw, there's plenty of draws available. He's definitely not going to fold. Um, interestingly enough, the fact that he has exactly pocket eights, <laughs> this is like one of the hands that you would rather bet small against because pocket eights may actually fold to a 70,000 bet, whereas it's going to call a 35,000 bet. But of course, you don't know your opponent's cards, right? It's important to know whenever you're watching a YouTube video or a poker show, the players in the hands don't know each other's cards, Okay. Poker's pretty easy when you know what your opponent has. If, you're, if he knew Bren had pocket eights, he'd bet like 23,000 and pray he raises, right? But of course you don't know what your opponent has. So in this scenario, I think Bren's range is going to be a whole lot of nines, a whole lot of sevens, a whole lot of draws, and some ace highs, right? And the ace highs are definitely going to pay off 70,000. So for the most part, I think a 70,000 bet would have been a little bit better for Michael. Around to Bren, it's a pretty rough spot with the pocket eights. Whenever you have a hand like pocket eights that really has a difficult time improving on the river, you do want to be a little bit more inclined to fold compared to a hand like 7-6. That's actually a worse hand in that it's a pair of 7s instead of a pair of 8s. But 7-6 has 5 outs to beat pocket or to beat a hand like pocket kings or ace-king or jack-9 or whatever, right? So whenever you have 5 outs, you should be pretty happy to call here. Whenever you have 2 outs, though, you do have to be a little bit cautious because you're going to realize your equity very poorly. And what I mean by that is if you call a turn and your opponent bets on basically any river, you should probably fold. And that's certainly... a annoying spot, right? So you really only win when it goes check-check. The problem, though, is that if Michael does have a bluff, like give him jack-10 here, he's probably going to bluff the river. And if he bluffs the river, then you're going to have to fold. And that's awful, right? So whenever he's, Michael has a bluff, you're going to end up folding out on the river. When Michael has a marginal value hand, like 10-9 or pocket kings, it's going to go check-check and you lose. And whenever he bets the river with a good hand, obviously you lose then too. So this is not a spot that's going to play especially great for Bren. But I do think you probably need to find the call one more time on the turn and then fold to a river bet. River's the 10 of clubs. Bren Kenny checks out a turn for the third time. And um, with this top pair marginal kicker, I think it's probably fine to check it back here. This 10 of clubs is really, really bad for Michael because Bren could very easily have 8-6, right? He could very easily have 10-9. He could very easily have jack-8 if he decided to get a little bit frisky. Um, he could very easily have a hand like ace-10. He could very easily have pocket tens, right? There's just like a load of hands that Bren could very, very clearly have. And you got to think Bren would check all of those if he thought he was out of position. Um, this is not a particularly great spot to lead. The times you would want to lead, I know Bren is last act, but if Bren thought he was first, the times Bren would want to lead are when um, the river brings a card that's really good for Bren's range. And while this card is good enough for Bren's range, 
he doesn't really have the nut advantage here because Michael has all the suited ace of clubs in his range. He's going to raise all, basically all those pre-flop. He's going to bet the flop with him. He's going to bet the turn with him most of the time. And he has the nuts on the river. So here, uh, Michael definitely has a bit of a nut advantage. So I think Bryn just needs to check his entire range. Um, because of that, I think Michael probably cannot go for a value bet. The only way you can go for a value bet here is if you know your opponent's a super calling station. And, uh, you know, it's just hard to get called by a 9 or a 7, which is the vast majority of Bryn's range in this scenario. And, I mean, you can get cute and go for like a 20,000 bet into the 150,000 pot, but that's not something you want to do against good world-class players because they will put the raise on you some portion of the time. If you did bet small here with Ace-King <laughs> against Bryn Kenny for 20,000 or 25,000, trying to get called by a 9 or a 7, and Bryn Kenny puts the check raise all in on you, which he will do some portion of the time, when you have the Ace of Clubs in your hand, I think you actually have to find the crying call because you block the not flush, right? Um, Bryn's definitely not going to check. Or I, I wouldn't think he's going to check shove with a straight. Um, so he's really just going to check shoving with good flushes. And when you block the best flush, you have to be a little bit inclined to make the hero calls here. Um, but is that really where you want to be? <laughs> not so sure. Anyway, this time it does go check, check. And a substantial pot heads over to Michael Schwimmer. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, make sure you download the Cash Game Tips PDF at pokercoaching.com slash cash tips. Don't know if I mentioned it in that PDF, but it's important to make sure you know whose action it is. And it's very, very easy to get in the habit of just assuming you know exactly what's going on. And to be fair, look, this is a very convoluted scenario when there's a double straddle and it definitely just naturally confused Bren. And it's understandable, but you want to make sure you're not making errors like this because that will end up costing you a little bit of money. So that's going to get for today. Hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, Click like, click subscribe. Those buttons are down below. Also, there's a notification bell. It'll go ding, ding, ding whenever I upload a new video. That way you can come back and continue improving your poker skills. Good luck in your games. Have a great, great day. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks for taking the time to watch this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more strategy lessons, pre-flop charts, and interactive quizzes, make sure you get your free membership to pokercoaching.com right now at pokercoaching.com free. I'll talk to you next time.